0: From the Derek Duval production bunker, it's Derek Duvall.
1: It's a brand new day, Duval Nation. Welcome, young and old, to the latest episode of the Derek Duval show. It's been a very interesting week, and I am glad we can get back on the air and deliver another fantastic episode featuring another incredible individual. It's been a very tense last week for the Duval household. We had a family scare as my mother was taken ill with COVID-19. Luckily for her, she'd had the vaccine, which most likely saved her life. We are grateful to the staff at University Hospital in Carfilly, Wales for taking such good care of her. You want to talk about a massive scare. (laughs) On a happier note, I have finally started my new job at that law firm I was talking about. It's not glamorous, but it's a hell of a lot better than the corporate labor camp I just escaped from. The bonus is that I even get more guests. They'll be able to come on the show as they don't have to work around my schedule anymore. So hey... You and I, we're all winners in that department. It's October, which means that my wife has emerged from the blankets now that the first fall leaf has fallen to the ground. Fall, or as my wife calls it, well, fall, actually. But she is super excited. All around the house, the fall decor is up on the walls. This truly is the season in which my Mrs. Duval shines. From baking to everything pumpkin to spooky movies, this is her nirvana. And believe me, it smells like fall spirit around here. That being said, I am hoping by the release of the next episode, I will have finally seen, and I do mean finally, I will have seen the latest James Bond film, No Time to Die. It's crazy. We have had a Billie Eilish song for over a year and only just now getting to see the film that goes with it, but such is the harsh realities of living in the COVID-19 realm. So welcome to episode 27. I am asked the eternal question.
0: Derek, who do you have on the show this time?
1: That's a great question we have on our show, entrepreneur, author, and an all-around fascinating man, Mr. Ken Lindner. He will be stopping by to discuss his latest book, Career Choreography, your step-by-step guide to finding the right job and achieving huge success and happiness, something we could all use. He was a great interview, and the pep talk he gave me after the interview concluded will stay with me for a long time. It was that amazing. So, as I say time and time again, let's not stand on ceremony. Ladies and gentlemen of Duval Nation, please rise to your feet. Put your hands together and welcome, direct from the City of Angels, Los Angeles, California, Mr. Ken Lindner. Ken, good morning. Welcome to the show. I see you're out in Los Angeles. How's the weather out there today?
2: The weather, Jarek, is glorious. Could right. not be better. Awesome.
1: Awesome. I start my interviews off with the same question, and that is, how has it been for you to navigate this COVID-19 world we're living in right now?
2: Well, I'm trying to be safe. My family is trying to be safe. We are quarantining as best we can, and the silver lining has been is that uh, we have uh, boy-girl twins who were supposed to go off to college last year, and we uh, they didn't, and we had the uh, Beautiful opportunity to spend some more time with them this year before they hopefully go on campus this coming fall. It's been challenging, I know for everyone, but uh, there have been a couple of silver linings, and that's one of them.
1: I like to hear that. I've I've heard so many different versions of that story, so many answers. You know, people have you know, enjoy quality time with their families. Some people picked up a new hobby or, you know, learned how to play an instrument, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody's been productive. I like to see that. So I've been very fortunate so far on the show to have a wide variety of guests with different backgrounds. But I want you to know you are my first guest, who is actually a Harvard graduate.
2: Ah, well, please don't (laughs) hold that against me.
1: (laughs) So social anthropology, uh, what drew you to that field of study? And uh, can you tell us about your honors thesis that brought you such significant national attention?
2: Well, I chose social anthropology because it gave me the chance, Derek, to uh, take the courses I wanted to take in studying people. I've always been fascinated by people. I've always been fascinated by the way they think, the decisions they make, why they make them. And uh, so it gave me the chance to take the courses in sociology, social relations, and psychology that allowed me to get a fuller and broader perspective of the things I was interested in studying. So that's why I took that major, not because I was necessarily interested in archaeological digs, because I was not, Mm -hmm. but uh, social anthropology allowed me that freedom. For my major, I wound up taking a number of decision-making courses, linguistics courses, and I decided that a really great decision-making concept was how jurors come to make their decisions, guilty or not guilty. And I decided to sit in on a number of voir dire that's where the attorneys question the prospective jurors. And I noticed the language they used. for different people, they use different language in order to connect with them. And it was really interesting. And my thesis was on how different people with different backgrounds tend to either be antagonized or empathized with different situations. And I put together this, this long questionnaire and I gave it out to thousands of people and I came up with many nuggets of information that seemed to be very helpful to uh, litigation attorneys. And it turned out that it was a breakthrough piece in, in juror selection. So it was very fun. I had the chance to sit in on a number of trials, which led me to go to law school. And I didn't want to go to law school necessarily to practice law, but I wanted to go to law school to study law, which was great for me because it really showed me how to think in an orderly fashion, and how to spot the issue. And in life, we all have to solve problems. And if you can spot the issue, you oftentimes can figure out uh, the steps to uh, resolve the situation.
1: I wanna mention your time at Cornell um, in a few minutes, but I do have to ask one fun question, and that is this. Do you still enjoy playing tennis?
2: I do, but uh, now I enjoy playing something called paddle or pop tennis, which I actually started with before I played tennis. And it's a smaller court. You serve underhand. And because the court is smaller, you get a chance to do a lot of volleying. It's easier to play, not so tough on your back. There's a lot of poaching and and volleying as opposed to rallying. And the great part about it is in tennis, the court seems awfully big when you get a little older. And with paddle tennis or pop tennis, it is a bit smaller. Tennis court's 78 feet. Pop tennis court is 50 feet or 60 feet. So there's less court to cover. So, you know, you just keep the ball going uh, much more. So it's very fun. So I play that three or four times a week.
1: Awesome. I'm going to tag one last question onto that. And that is, what is it like to defeat one of the greatest tennis players of all time, Mr. Arthur Ashe?
2: Well, it was incredible. But you know, full disclosure, um, it was an exhibition match. It wasn't a tournament, and I played him a second time a year later. He was more ready uh, to play the match, I believe, and he beat me the second time. But it was it was certainly incredible because I played every stroke to the best of my ability, and I felt as if I could focus on each stroke to the best of my ability, the points would come, the games would come. And if I were fortunate enough, the match would come. And I was very locked in. Um, I played him on a court that I was very comfortable on. I played him on clay as opposed to a hard court, which I think was to my advantage. So I had seen him play twice in the preceding two weeks. So I had a sense of his patterns. And he had never seen me play, And most people, even you know when it comes to psychologically, we stick to our patterns. Mm-hmm. We stick to the scripts that we're most comfortable with. Why well, I, I knew what Arthur's scripts were if he wasn't pressed. So I knew that if I came up to Ned on his backhand, most of the time, he would try to go down the line for a passing shot. And I was able to anticipate that. So um, there are all sorts of life lessons that I got from that match. And that is just focus as best you can on the task at hand, and good things will happen. So it's interesting.
1: Do you have any favorite memories from your time attending Cornell Law School?
2: Well, I am from Brooklyn, New York, Derek, and I uh, lived in the city uh, when I, uh, started working for the William Morris agency and I'm used to living in the city and going to Harvard, uh, for undergrad, I was living in the Cambridge area, the Boston area. And I was used to living in a city and Ithaca, New York is beautiful. It's so different. There are waterfalls and mountains and, and beautiful Hills and, uh, so that was a great experience, an experience I knew I would probably never have again, because I felt I would always wind up living in a city, a big city, and I have so it was a wonderful experience, and also a Cornell. It's the people I met that really resonated with me. Um, I just had a great time. I helped coach the tennis team undergrad, so while I was at law school, I got to play tennis with and get to know the undergrads, which was great, kept me. Uh, even more engaged in campus life than I normally would be being in grad school. So I had a really great time at Cornell.
1: You mentioned earlier that you worked for William Morris Agency, and eventually you rose to the position of you know, vice president in charge of West Coast News Division. How different was the news business in the mid to late 80s compared to how it is today?
2: Well, the two main differences, I believe, Derek, are one, stations, local stations, as they used to say, were cash cows, they made fortunes because there were so few other alternatives for advertisers. There wasn't cable news. There certainly wasn't, you know, internet news. So uh, watching local news to find out what's going on in your world was the only game for advertisers and, of course, viewers. So a lot more money was being funneled into local stations, so salaries were higher, negotiations were easier. Um, it was just a—it was a very, very good time for local stations. Things have changed now. Advertisers, you know, can choose different outlets to put their money into, whether it be cable whether it's streaming, there are all sorts of of different areas. So local news, although still highly viable, is one of a number of alternatives for advertisers. So revenues for stations are not as great as they used to be. But it's interesting because with the pandemic, everybody was glued to their local stations, or, or many people were because they needed to find out what the latest news was. And I think it showed advertisers that local news is still very relevant, very vital. And when there's a story, a big story, eyeballs will be there. So I think it was a really good experience for local news. And of course, giving us news that we need, giving us news that we can use, uh, once again reinforced how important newscasters and reporters are in times of a crisis, what a great gift that is. In that way, it was an interesting, and I I think a very beneficial uh, time for local news. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, it had to happen during COVID, but most of the time in local news, uh, you, you rely on it during a crisis, during a tragedy.
1: Our local news team uh, are almost borderline celebrities in the entire state. Especially our weatherman, uh, our weatherman, they put on a pedestal to the point where he goes around and people are actually asking him for autographs. Uh, yes. So it's it's quite like I said, it's it's quite a thing with your local, you know, your local weatherman or your local journalists or our actual name brands here in the t- in the city. So yeah, I I agree with that. Local news, you know, definitely does serve a purpose.
2: Yes, I agree, and you know, Derek, you're so right. It's different in a place like Los Angeles because you have so many, in quotes, celebrities. So it's a bit different. But in many, many markets, news people are the celebrities. And, you know, you watch them every day. You wake up with them in the morning. You go to sleep, you know, them hearing or you hearing that everything's OK. And they give you the information you need. They give you the weather. They give you the traffic. And they tell you what's going on if there's something you need to know mm-hmm. so it is a very essential service so
1: in 1988 you founded ken and associates uh <laughs> took with you almost a good portion of the clientele how does that feel one day you have a boss and the next you are running your own successful agency
2: well you know it didn't exactly happen that way derek um uh i left I left William Morris cause we had you know just a difference of philosophy. I had a wonderful time at the William Morris agency. I learned an incredible amount and it was an exciting place to work. I mean, they when I first started and I met the president of William Morris, he told me about how they had represented Elvis Presley and the Beatles and uh, Al Pacino and Dustin Hoffman and Goldie Hawn and Robert Redford and and Walter Matthau and Clint Eastwood and they currently represented at the time the Beach Boys and Barbara Walters and uh, I think they represented Billy Joel and um, it's incredible and to see how movies get made to see how you know many of the biggest brightest talents in, in show business, um, in essence, choreographed their careers, was fascinating to me. So I, I learned a great deal. Uh, when I left William Mars to start my own company, it didn't happen overnight that uh, I felt, oh my goodness, you know, this is great. I didn't know how things were going to go. I didn't know if people who used to answer my phone calls, were going to answer my phone calls. Um, I did feel after being at William Morris for nine years, I did feel that I had the background, I had the connections, I had the knowledge of news contracts and the wherewithal to do it on my own. It was something I never thought I was going to do. It just some things transpired that sort of forced me to leave. but uh, so it wasn't anything I was planning. It just it just happened. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't sure I was going to. I wasn't positive the first week it was all going to happen. But the great news was was that you know I had I really helped all of my clients. I'd taken them to bigger markets, better jobs, and I was very fortunate that uh, you know about ninety something percent. Wound up coming with me, which was obviously very gratifying, and gave me the confidence that everything was going to work out the way I had envisioned, and it it, it wound up so far exceeding any expectations I could have had. So it worked out incredibly well. Uh, we are in our 33rd year, and we're certainly one of the most well-respected broadcasting agencies in the world. I've always believed that if you do right by every client, pretty much, Derek, what I mentioned about playing every stroke and every point against Arthur Ashe, I felt if I did right by every client, help them make every good career decision I could, the clients would be happy, they would be successful, and then our company would be successful. And I never thought about money. It was never about the money. Again, I thought if my clients were successful, we would be successful. And the money would come. I love what I do. If I won the lottery tomorrow, i wouldn't I wouldn't stop doing what I do. I love seeing what can be in people and helping them choreograph the strategic steps to put the percentages in their favor that they will attain their goals and dreams. And in fact, that's what my new book is about, career choreography. It's how to figure out what the right jobs are for you and what it is you do well, what it is that makes you happy and what it is that makes you feel good about going to work every day. What gives you meaning in your life? I give readers the steps to figure all that out, and then hopefully you choose the right job, career, Mm -hmm. profession for you in which you can thrive.
1: Okay, Devald Nation, I think this is an excellent time to take a short break. We're going to go ahead and showcase two extraordinary friends of the show, plus a word from our sponsor. So take this time to stand up, stretch, do some of those deep breathing exercises. We'll be right back in a few moments.
0: X-Radio X, we are two ex-college radio guys who became ex-professional radio guys who are now professionally guys in other professions. Tune in as we discuss music. Okay, right there. Let's just stop right there let's for a moment. That up. We don't. All right. Let's just break down those three things. I feel like we're playing one of these things is not like the other, but the answer is every single one of these things is not like the other. That's right. The state of radio today. In the year 2525. Oh, I love that you're singing. You're welcome. And anything else. It pops in our heads. See, you're you're stuck in an infinity loop if you don't take I the am. pill because then you'll never know to take it again. It's not like hip hop, good marmalade, eh? Spick and span, great for cleaning. He didn't say anything. Even if we come back, things will never be the same again. Dun dun, dun 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 dun. It's the final countdown. I don't know that I. I can't. I can't with confidence say that I want it that way because that would mean I know what that way is. X Radio X. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space. So you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at podg And be sure to add The Derek Duvall Show in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of your application. So would you rather bathe in caramel or hot fudge? Before I answer that, I'm Ryan. I'm John. And I'm Matt. And we're Mo and G Podcast. We're three lifelong friends that decided we were going to make a podcast. So if you like listening to three clowns talk about beer reviews, weird news stories, and just banter, this might be the podcast for you. You can find us on all social medias and wherever you listen to podcasts, baby. Shut up, shut up, shut up. How many dudes are with me in the bathtub with hot fudge?
1: Welcome back to Vol Nation. While I was working on something five minutes ago, I stumbled across a completely strange and interesting fact. Did you know that some cats are allergic to humans? Learn more on Popular Science. We will post that link on our Twitter feed when this episode airs. Crazy. Besides, I never like cats anyway. So, okay, now let's get back to our in-depth interview with Mr. Ken Lindner. There are some names tied to your agency that I really admire. Dr. Sanjay Gupta, of course. Um, Lester Holt, I think, is an icon in news today. Also, you know, Elizabeth Vargas and, of course, me and my wife do enjoy watching Mario Lopez. How do you find raw talent and mold them into an award-winning top-tier broadcaster?
2: Well, you know, I've been very, very fortunate. You know, it, it's interesting. I didn't know when I first started at William Mars. And By the way, I started as a business affairs attorney. Uh, that's how I got trained as an agent. So I never really knew when I started working at William Morris, that I had an eye for spotting people who connect with other people, whether it be on air and TV or in motion pictures. Cause I found a few motion picture people as well before I became a news and hosting agent. And I guess, Um, I guess I just had a a good instinct for it. But then listening to news directors, that's who I do business with at every station, uh, or program executives, uh, people in Entertainment Tonight, or what other shows I I dealt with early on, Access Hollywood and Extra, uh, they didn't exist at that point. But I would listen to see what kinds of people They reacted to what it was that drew that executive to a particular client and who got the most interest. And I started honing my eye better and better so that I could spot somebody who connected with the viewer. And whether it was something visual, whether it was the way they delivered uh, their news or the story. when I was growing up and and I went to camp, there was a sportscaster uh, named Howard Cosell who um, was incredible. (laughs) And, you know, he had his own style and Mm -hmm. he was, you know, brash and a little abrasive and, and highly confident. And he was great. I could not stop listening to him and, uh, That's what I look for. I look for somebody that makes me want to watch them rather than somebody else. And if you had three or four monitors, who am I drawn to? And who who do I listen to? So it's sort of those criteria. And, for example, when I called Mario Lopez uh, and asked if I could represent him, actually through his stellar manager, Mark Schulman, who's been with him right from the get-go, uh, Mario was hosting a show on Animal Planet called Pet Star. And I just knew there was far more, far more that Mario could be doing than that show. Not that that show wasn't terrific, but I felt it was a much bigger uh, national platform for Mario. And when I first you know, saw Lester, I felt... He had the gravitas, the trust, the credibility. There was just something about him that made me trust him. And the great part about it is Lester is exactly the way he appears. Mm -hmm. He is a a tremendously great human being and so trustworthy. Um, He's exactly as he appears. Mm -hmm. So I see different things in different people. you know, I first saw Elizabeth Vargas. She was in Phoenix, and she was almost hanging from a helicopter doing a live shot, uh, you know, reporting on something. And I couldn't believe how she could assimilate information, deliver it with authority, and just nail the story. It was like incredible. And that's what drew me to Elizabeth. So there are different reasons that make me want to represent someone. But I think the common thread is that they connect with me on some
1: level. You mentioned Howard Cassell earlier. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really weird and to say, you know, Walter Cronkite was the man who broke the, the news of assassination of President Kennedy. And Howard Cassell gets to be the first one to break the news of John Lennon's murder. Um, right. It's just those, those little moments in time that, you know, names are somewhat attached to.
2: Yes. Well, you know, Howard Cosell was also very attached, there to uh, Muhammad Ali. He used to interview Muhammad Ali, and, and some of those interviews were, were priceless. They mm-hmm. were great.
1: So let's talk about your first book, which is Broadcasting Realities. Now, based on my research, some media circles refer to it almost as a Bible for looking into breaking into the news business. How long did it take to write, and were you surprised by the reception it got?
2: Well, it was interesting because the first, I wrote two of them. The first one was Broadcasting Realities. And the second one was, I think, uh, Broadcasting Realities 2 or something.
1: Yeah, the edition. first
2: one was very irreverent. It it had poems. Uh, and I was very, very cutting edge. I really talked about and said things. Um, That were really true, but um, might have rubbed some people the wrong way. I don't know. But it was easy for me to write because it's something I do every day. So my goal was to give people in broadcasting and those aspiring to be in broadcasting the information that they needed to make informed decisions and choices. And because this is what I do every day, it actually was incredibly easy to write. And I also write the way I speak. So uh, I gather the way I write is quite conversational. I really liked that first book. And as it turned out, a lot of uh, professors and others really liked the book as well because it gave people uh, or gave the individuals in their classes, the students, a real window into what really goes on in broadcasting and gave them the nuts and bolts of what they need to know to make uh, really good decisions uh, uh, in the field. Mm
1: -hmm. So with the pandemic, Ah, uh, people all over the world—you know—were forced to alter their realities, some in positive, some negative ways. Some have even chosen to change professions. I read this recently, uh, hoping to change their fortunes, try a career that might be, you know, self-fulfilling, rewarding to them. Now, your latest book, which is uh, Career Choreography: Your Step-by-Step Guide to Finding the Right Job and Achieving Success and Happiness, uh, is a great source to help them along their career journeys. Uh, what inspired you to write it? Well.
2: You know, it's interesting because, as you mentioned, Derek, Broadcasting Realities was written specifically for aspiring broadcast journalists and those in the field. Mm-hmm. Career choreography I wrote for everyone. Uh, and over the 37 years I've been developing careers, and I have helped thousands upon thousands of individuals inside and out of broadcasting find the right jobs for them and have given them the strategies to be hugely successful and fulfilled. Um, I I first thought about the book in 2008 and 2009, when we went through the economic downturn. But I didn't, I had just written a book called Your Killer Emotions that had done a lot of TV promotion with that book. So I didn't want to go out and market another book because my daughter and son were just going into junior high and I felt I needed to be there and I just didn't want to give them short shrift. And also I loved being with them. Just wasn't the right time. So I tabled the book for over 10 years actually 13. And then when the pandemic hit, I thought, now is the time to rewrite this book and make it more um, appropriate to the times. But a lot of the strategies are still the same. And so I rewrote the book. And my goal was to help people get back to work get into the workforce for the first time and most importantly help everyone whether they people were feeling like they needed to make a professional pivot needed to change jobs just needed to find the right job for them the job in which they could feel really good at a job in which which takes advantage of their skill sets what they love to do what they're good at and then Help them really be successful and thrive once they're in that job. So the book has different sections. Essence, what job, you know, what kind of job, what kind of career, what kind of profession is right for you? And then how to find it, and then how to really be successful in it once you're in it. Uh, And again, this is what I do every day. And You know, I've taken people from being out of work to making, you know, eight figures a year because we found the right positions for them, which took the best advantage of their skill sets and their passions. So I wrote the book. It obviously came out at the right time because so many people uh, needed to find a job. And in this case, my thing is don't find a job. Find the right one the one that's in harmony with who you are and and one which makes you feel really great about what you do and luckily it uh, was number one on amazon for many weeks in five different job categories and my goal was to help people and if i can help people uh, writing the book was so worthwhile
1: well it's definitely being well received so i mean like i said that's that's promising and i'm sure you're helping. Lots and lots and lots of people. And I, I hope that makes you feel good about yourself. So.
2: It does. It really does. Well, mm-hmm. oh, thank you. I was just saying thank you.
1: <laughs> you uh, If one of my listeners today was interested in learning the discipline of broadcasting, what would be the one solid bit of advice that you would give them?
2: Be authentic. Mm-hmm. Be yourself. Be conversational. People connect with people. They want to you know, basically have a conversation with you. Broadcasting has changed through the years. It used to be, you know, you had this father figure who was talk, who was basically reading to you, talking at you. You know, it was authoritative. We looked at Walter Cronkite as our father. Not that way anymore. It's people talking with you, connecting with you. Um, I think the people who really are successful in broadcasting, Oprah Winfrey and many others are the ones that talk with me and and communicate with me on a visceral level, not just an intellectual level. So I would say be authentic. I know it's what I look for when I take a, a take on a client.
1: So what does the future look like for Ken Linder associates? Do you guys have anything big in the works or
2: I think you know we love doing what we're doing. And it's great because every day we find someone new uh, who we can work on. For me, I'm not taking on uh, up and coming people as much, Derek, um, because I'm, I'm at a stage where I'm working on being strategic. How do you grow Mario Lopez's career? You know, what else can uh, some of my clients will already where they're going to be? How do you enhance them? How do you find other platforms for them? So it's it's very strategic. To me, there's nothing like finding that great up and coming talent going into a, you know, going into a market, sitting in a hotel room, and spotting somebody. That to me is is great. And we still do a lot of that. Most of my associates do. So I would say we're going to keep on keeping on with that. And I would just, you know, say to your listeners a new project that I'm working on, which I think is the best book I will ever write. is the book that is coming out sometime. I believe it's the end of October. And as I mentioned earlier, it's called Aspire Higher and how to find the love, positivity and purpose to elevate your life in the world. And if I may, the reason why I wrote the book it's because there are so many shootings out there right now there's so much violence i think there is fear there is anxiety there is concern there is anger yet we most of us aspire to something better we want peace in the world we want to we want to leave a place for our children that's better than it is now and we want to feel good about our lives we want to feel good about ourselves we want to have a great self image but the question is how do you go from where we are today to that to fulfilling that those aspirations i i don't think anybody up until now has come up with a formula to take us from all of these shootings this anger this division all the things that are going on right now to that to those beautiful aspirations I think I have found the formula through making positive life choices uh, in your life that fill your heart and soul with high self-esteem feelings of self-worth that will uh, enable you to uh, feel much better about who you are and extend yourself to others and that's what this book is about and I'm very excited about it
1: It does sound very promising. I'm I'm looking forward to checking it out myself. Can you please tell my listeners how best to find you and your company online?
2: Sure. My company is Ken Lindner and Associates Inc. And it's KenLindner.com.
1: Your book, Career Choreography, is available to order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. I would like to finish my interviews with my absolute favorite question. I ask this of all my guests, okay? And that question is this. If the entire population of the planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you would like to say to the entire people of Earth?
2: I would say that it's so important to treat others the way you would like to be treated. Love yourself. Love others. Respect others. Be civil to others. Um, We can do that. uh, We're well on our way to um, having a much better world.
1: I like that answer. Very very good. Ken, yeah. thank you ever so much for taking the time to come on the show. This has been an absolute treat for me.
2: Well, me as well, Derek. It's been a pleasure. Your
1: your questions were absolutely great. Very fun. Thank you very much for saying that. I appreciate it very much. You're um, welcome. And just like that, another episode of The Derek Duvall Show is in the books. 27 episodes. That's insane, but you know what? We are just loving the response. Been getting a lot of love on all the old social media platforms, but I feel I need to hire an assistant to run that show's Instagram. Really not doing well in that department, but I digress. I want to thank Ken for taking the time to come on the show today. That story about Arthur Ashe was a real pleasure, and tales like that are the real reward for doing this show. We're going to keep powering through getting a bunch of episodes out in the next couple weeks. We have so many interviews recorded now, and that is a great thing. Do not think I'm complaining in any way, shape, or form, but we have so many recorded. If I was to release shows per the standard release schedule, I already said, I would have episodes recorded all the way to March, 2022, and that's just not a good thing. So you, Devon Nation, are the winners in that department. I will strive to get these out as fast as possible. I think I sounded a little bit like Kennedy just then. That was great. As I say before, this show lives and dies based on positive word of mouth. Don't hesitate to get out there and tell your friends about this amazing experience that you're having with us today. Building a brand is tough, and I am very proud of the community. I've helped cultivate the year plus that I have been doing this show. So on behalf of the entire team here at the Derek Duvall Show, I say, be well, be safe, and protect yourself and others. Get the vaccine. This is no longer a political talking point. For some, it's the difference between life and death. Be on the right side of history and protect yourself today. Nostar, God bless, and see you very, very soon, planet Earth.
0: This has been a recording of The Derek Duval Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, for the latest news on downloads and to explore past episodes. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Derek Duval Show.